You're listening to Three, the podcast. Hello and welcome to Three, a podcast where three filmmakers get together to discuss movies. Join us as we dive in to figure out how these movies work and what they can teach us about the art of filmmaking. Whether you are a filmmaker yourself or you just love to nerd out on the art of cinema, we invite you to take this journey with us. This is a film discussion by filmmakers. Today, we are discussing the movie Mother, written and directed by Darren Aronofsky and starring Jennifer Lawrence and Javier Bardem. Please be sure that you've watched the movie before listening any further because this is sure to be full of spoilers. Now let's get into it on three. All right, let's start with the synopsis. Yeah, yeah, William, read the synopsis for us. All right. Amidst a wild flat meadow encircled by an Edenic lush forest, a couple have cocooned themselves in a secluded mansion that was not so long ago burned to the ground, devotedly restored by the supportive wife. Within this safe environment, the once famous middle-aged poet husband is desirous of creating his magnum opus. However, he seems unable to break out of the persistent creative rut that haunts him. Then, unexpectedly, a knock at the door. The sudden arrival of a cryptic late-night visitor and his intrusive wife will stimulate the writer's stagnant imagination. Little by little, much to the perplexed wife's surprise, the more chaos he lets in their haven, the better for his punctured male ego. In the end, will this incremental mess blemish irreparably the couple's inviolable sanctuary? <laughs> Dude, this storyline sucks, man. Oh, Invi- we get you. Yeah. Inviolable? Are you going to push through or are we just... I gotta, I gotta get the... Inviolable. Inviolable? Weird. Dude, this guy is like way too poetic. Amidst a wild, a wild flat meadow. Yeah, yeah, an Edenic lush forest. Interesting. All right. Well, that one got me sweating. Let's get into this. <laughs> okay, so I chose this movie because I think I watched it in theaters, and then every once in a while I kind of revisit it, and I can't stop thinking about it. I just thought it would be very interesting to kind of get a discussion on it to more so just decide what I really think about it. Most of my thoughts are positive right now, and it seemed like a very discussable film. I think Darren Aronofsky, I think he's like an epic director, and Black Swan is one of my favorite films, so I thought it'd be cool to kind of visit a more recent work of his and discuss it with you guys. All right, well, let's just hop right into first impressions then. Our classic format of stars going in and stars going out we were operating on the five star system of letterboxd not the 10 star system of imdb which would be way easier what was your guys's star rating going into our conversation so pre-discussion stars i am hovering at a four and a half Oh, yeah. crazy. But this was my third time watching it. So I would say like my first impressions, I remember after watching it for the first time when it came out was just a general, what the heck did I just watch? And yeah. having to like think about it for days. I wonder if there's like a shock value in that for people who've seen it for the first time. If, if I felt like yeah. that as well. So. Yeah. And my second viewing, I got so much more out of it. I feel like I was able to kind of see more of the story structure and the theme. And after the first, very first viewing, it was, I spent a lot of time online, like on Reddit and whatever movie websites, kind of reading articles written about it and stuff. So, but yeah, I'm, I'm at a four and a half stars. Uh, I just, I love the aesthetic of the film. I think from start to finish, it just goes strong and doesn't let up and it's just well-made and very intentional in its delivery. Cool. I think I'd give this movie like a 2.8. Like I'm I'm leaning. I wouldn't give it a 2 because that it's not true. But I wouldn't give it a 4. So I guess that means you give it a 3. I watched this movie the first time. When did it come out? 2017? No. Yeah, 2017. Yeah. So I, I remember watching it in theaters. And I think for whatever reason, the headspace I was in, I had a lot more of a visceral reaction for sure. I think I, it left me feeling super convicted at the time. Maybe I was more of a God-fearing man back then or something. But the sec- I watched it again last night and really had a different experience. I didn't enjoy it as much. So I don't know why that is. I didn't not enjoy it. It kind of didn't impact me. I think once I knew what was going on, it's not really a rewatchable movie. You know, I think that might be part of the Darren Aronofsky uh, curse. I think he makes very extremely direct movies. 
that are have a very visceral response. Like I'm thinking of like Black Swan. I think was rewatchable. But uh, what's the drug one again? Requiem for a Dream. Yeah, it's not like like that one was so. I feel like when he makes movies, they're so direct that like you watch them once, you know what's up. But second watch, I got a lot more appreciation for the sound design and the cinematography. Yeah, so I I would probably say that man, this movie confused me, and 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 that's where I think I'm at that shock part because I I haven't seen it before, so this is the first time I watched it. And I would probably give it, uh, I'm between a two and a half and three stars simply because it did keep my attention, but I don't really know what I was feeling. So I don't have tons of positives to say about it and I don't have tons of negatives to say about it. I'm like right in the middle, but it's, it's, it's weird, but you're right. I don't think that I'd probably go back and rewatch this a bunch of times, but yeah, it's, it's an odd movie. Now, I think I have some strong opinions about it, and I think that we're going to get into that with the discussion. But as far as rating goes, I think, yeah, probably two and a half or or, or three. I, I mean, I think their performances were great. I think Jennifer Lawrence and Javier Bardem did an incredible job uh, in their roles. Um, but I, I'll, I'll be honest with you. I was annoyed half the time, maybe because the character kept getting annoyed with people who are coming into the house, but that's not a feeling that I necessarily want to go into a movie theater and feel the entire time uh, because it was just, and I know that's part of the story. And I, I think that was part of the intention that Darren Aronofsky was trying to put forward, but yeah, definitely uh, strange. And also I'll just say this, some of the stuff I had huge flashbacks to Darren Aronofsky's previous work. There was stuff in there that I think was straight from, I almost said Tree of Life. It's not true. Because you love Tree of Life. Because you love it so much. Because it's my favorite. <laughs> no, uh, The Fountain. And there was moments that reminded me of Requiem for a Dream. And moments that reminded me of Black Swan. So I, I felt like he has used like all of his like toolbox of things and put them in this movie. I actually love his more recent movies, like Black Swan's one of my favorites, but I've I just recently was kind of remembering Noah too, and I've really enjoyed Noah. I just really appreciate the stories he's telling and his interpretation of them, like specifically. His movies today feel like passion project blockbusters. <laughs> like their blockbuster delivery. Like Noah felt like a blockbuster movie, but it felt also like a passion project. Like he was just so bold. Like he, he wasn't trying to please anyone. He was just trying to tell his interpretation of this Bible story, which I appreciated so much. Yeah, this yeah. one definitely, it meant what it was about, but yeah, definitely a very religious feeling film. Would you guys say? Just because it was so steeped, steeped oh, yeah. in the myths of the Bible or the stories of the Bible. And then just like the characters were just, it was God and Mother Earth. When we're discussing the movies, do we refer to them as and then God came downstairs? Is that what oh, yeah. we're up to? <laughs> so when God, you know, when God came uh, came down the stairs, and that was my favorite part. Like, is that what we'd say? It's mother and him. Yeah, man literally credited as him. Woman. I think you're good with either saying God, Javier, Bardem, or Inter- interchangeably. Him. He. That's uh, it's such an awkward thing when you have characters that don't actually have names, like security guard number one. You know, right. so this is, but this is how it's listed. Jennifer Lawrence is his mother. Javier Bardem is him. Ed Harris is man. Michelle Pfeiffer is woman. And then, you know, goes on younger brother, oldest son. Which really should be Adam, Eve, Cain, and Abel. But he didn't yeah, want to be that on the nose. So on the nose. Like, I think that anyone can sniff out that, right? I think for me watching it, why I give it a lower rating is that once you know what he's up to, I think you figure that up that you figure it out pretty quickly. Like for me, when I was watching it, when the two brothers kill each other, I go, oh, okay, locked in the story of humanity. And that's where I think the annoyance that Jason's talking about is just like, it's the same thing over and over and over and over again until it just loops. So it's not like a developing thing or like, it's yeah. just getting more and more. It's just madness. It's a circle. It's just coming yeah. in more and more and more. Now, did you guys know or or suspect that it was a story about God and Mother Earth before you w- went into the movie? No. No, not at all. The first time you watched it, did you figure out 
at some point that it was God and Mother Earth, maybe in the first yeah. half of the film. I think for me, it was when the two brothers killed each other. I was like, okay, Cain and Abel, like, that makes sense. And when you watch it a second time, it's almost like so blatantly obvious. Like she's wearing, she's wearing, her underwear is uh, like, for, for her, sure. her bikini top when she opens the door is like green, like kind of like the leaves of Adam and Eve. And there's just so much littered in it. I didn't pick up on anything until the end. That's totally fine. I think because it's, it's made like a horror movie. So you're just, your posturing is not to expect exactly. heavy symbolism, maybe it's, you're more like waiting for like, is this yeah. going to be like, who's going to get killed? Like he uses all the tools of, you know, screeching sounds and the way it's shot. It's building suspense, which kind of forces you not to think about the characters that much because you're just trying to grunt your teeth and get through it or survive it, I guess. And trying to figure it out while it's all going on. And I think like you almost think too deeply sometimes. Or I remember on the first viewing, you know, like thinking so deeply into it that I almost missed some of those obvious like, uh, biblical allegories that were so like on the nose the the opening images of the movie the 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 body on fire and all this you know this this person that's surrounded by fire i was like i think this is going to be really cool and then after it just kind of slows down after that you know like and so i was so distracted trying to figure out how do those two things tie in because it feels like we're uh, either going back in time, like doing like a flashback or uh, well, I, I don't really know. I just I was trying to figure out how they tie together. My eye was on the ball. I didn't get any religious connotations until later in the movie when it just seemed very clear that there was like these kind of allegorical scenes happening. And like a baby and the baby. Like that yeah. Whole. Yeah. It, that's what you gets, mean. That's where it gets baby Jesus. <laughs> when Jesus Christ rolls in. Yeah. Yo, when that baby come? Have you guys been on the Reddit for a mother for dummies? No. No, but I oh want my to gosh. be. That sounds just amazing. Up. Okay, I'm just going to read. Let me just read. Like, I'll pull up my phone. All right, so think about this. Javier Bardem is God. Jennifer Lawrence is Mother Earth. The movie starts. She wakes up. She's like, yo, where is this motherfucker at? She goes outside and there ain't shit as far as you can see. No people, no houses, nothing. Just grass and shit. This is the earth pre-human civilization. He pops up behind her and she's like, what are you up to? He's like, nothing. Just working on some shit. It's nothing. But you know, he's up to some shit. By the way, he's a poet in the movie. She's like, okay, I'm just going to keep working on the house, which represents physical earth and is an extension of mother earth herself. All of a sudden, boom, some dude arrives. This is Adam. Mother Earth is like, yo, what the fuck is this, God? This is our shit. We built this. You can't just bring someone else into our house, into our shit. God's like, nah, it's cool. Trust me. She's okay. She's like, okay, I guess. All of a sudden, God and Adam are super close. God's like, yo, Adam, I made you. And Adam's like, bro, lol, that's dope. Yo, what's this crystal thing? God's like, yo, you can't touch that. It's mine. I made it from the last time I destroyed everything. This is the forbidden fruit. Then a little while later, Mother Earth walks in on Adam puking in the toilet after a night of drinks with God and she sees she's got a nasty ass wound on his ribs. This is Adam's rib that God used to create Eve. Sure enough, next day, boom, Eve is there. Mother Earth is just like, yo, what the... There's another one and God's like, yeah, it's cool, just chill. And Eve is a conviving... <laughs> Eve's a conniving bitch too. She's like, oh man, this is a nice place. Show me around. Psych, I'm gonna go up here in this office and Mother Earth is like, you can't go in there. That's the Garden of Eden. Mother... Okay, guys, this goes on for so long. But I think you get the joke. Yeah, I th it's awesome. It's so funny. Dude, I didn't even realize that that was the whole rib thing. I'm like, there are so many things that are unanswered and they're becoming very clear to me now. Like, yeah. painfully clear. That's that's kind of the problem I find with the movies that once you aren't scared or once you're not waiting for it to get fucked up and you just watch it like yeah. with a critical eye or like, like on second watch, it almost feels corny. I think yeah. that's why like... I almost hesitate to give it a three and not like a two because it's just... I don't know if rewatchability plays into a movie or it's just that initial experience that you rate it but a second watch right. i almost kind of was cringed out a little by a little bit yeah. by this movie and i don't know why here's my opinion of it and especially now knowing all this stuff similar to the opinion that i held last week when i was talking about an agenda-based film it feels like this movie was solely created around an agenda and it seems a bit preachy to me because like even so I was reading an article talking about the release of Mother and they didn't actually show the movie to the press before releasing it. They basically thought that that was a bad idea or that it would get really bad uh, press before they released it. So they released it without actually inviting press and uh, the studios required that Darren Aronofsky and some of the actors 
reveal what the plot was about so that people going into the movie knew that it was God and Mother Earth and an allegory of that. Because the studio was like, we're not going to make any money. People are going to be so confused when they go into this movie. So th- this all makes sense now talking about it because I hadn't read too much about it. But um, it didn't do very well in the box office. But I think that on the heels of doing Noah, which he obviously did a lot of study on the books of the Bible or the, the, the early writings of the Bible, Genesis, uh, like obviously that heavily plays into the theme of this movie. I think it's kind of preachy. You know, I think stories should inf- inform a theme rather than a theme informing the story. You know what I'm saying? It's it's what he does. Is that not like his, that's like his position in filmmaking. I don't know. I haven't seen The Fountain when you're talking about, but Requiem for a Dream was basically just like a propaganda piece so kids don't do drugs. And it was successful. Well done. Changed some things about filmmaking forever. I wouldn't. I, I wouldn't necessarily say so. I think Requiem for a Dream was actually a really strong story, and ended up being a strong theme about uh, the use of drugs. But I don't think that it started with the theme of "Don't do drugs, kids." I thought the story was really compelling, and you believe the characters. And I think he was a really good storyteller. Whereas in this one, everyone acted really well, but it's kind of like, what are you trying to sell me right now? That's the question I was kind of asking. I'm like, I feel like it's a salesman and I don't know what his product is yet until like three quarters of the way. It's like, yeah. Yeah. He just seems angry with religion in the sense of us focusing on God and not taking care of our world. It's just, in all honesty, I remember, I do remember leaving this movie and being in the bathroom and feeling very convicted about my place in human history and how we treat each other and how we treat the earth and all that kind of stuff. So it emotionally worked coming out of it, but I don't know if it would change the way you live at all because once you realize what it's up to, I think we as humans just react against that. If someone's preaching at you, we're like, nah, you're not going to get Maybe. me. And then I think but it it's interesting because change. I feel like a lot of what he's saying with the theme, I'm really on board with. So it works for me. But it's maybe it's because I'm already there, you know, and I'm like looking for it. But I hear what you're saying. Well, I I, I mean, I agree, too. I, I agree that you should take care of the planet. Like, I'm I'm fully on board for that. But I think as a, as a storyteller, he sold a product rather than giving me a story that wanted me to buy the product you know what i mean there's there is a difference there because he is someone who what do you call them a, a, a naturist oh Nat- agnostic no, <laughs> he's agnostic i'm pretty sure no or what i mean about? like pro environment oh arithmetic <laughs> oh <laughs> pro environment what's oh that? he uh i was gonna say a naturalist uh, but i'm pretty sure that's a new granola or green a crunchy person you could call so, because Noah, uh, Noah was kind of on that, like, like an environmentalist theme. And so, and, it's and pretty, he's and, pretty, I mean, I think if he would have made this movie, even like this past year, get some more, uh, get some Greta, Th- get some Greta Turnberg or Thunberg in there. That- <laughs> you could have really, really sent this thing home. <laughs> I feel like I pulled up some very like relevant vibes just from everything going on with the coronavirus too, which we can get into later. But, oh, that's kind of, I mean, no, let's get into explain that. that. I think, yeah. That's interesting. I, I don't have much left to say other than I love the way they shot it and the way the sound was done. I could talk about that a little bit, but yeah, what's this corona? What's this corona vibe? Oh, I just was about? noticing this on this watch, um, kind of the fierceness of Mother Earth in her response to humans, like just being slobs and destroying her stuff. And she gets to that point. I, th- I think I might have written down exactly what she says. It's time to get the fuck out of my house. She's. I think she screams it. That's yeah. like the moment I was like. Right now, she's kind of got to a point where she's like, I can't fix this. I'm going to destroy myself and or I'm going to destroy everybody and everything to stop this. And I thought it's interesting because there's a lot of like, obviously, there's a ton of different takes on coronavirus. But at the end of the day, the virus like comes from the earth. Right. And it's wiping out people. And I just thought that was an interesting like observation I had. It comes from a lack of stewardship, basically. or Yeah. Yeah. Right. Right. I mean, if it was a bioweapon, it could be a different story, right? Yeah, yeah. That's why I, was, I meant, <laughs> I'm, just I'm mentioning different takes too, because <laughs> who knows in 10 years, we're going to have like a, like, it's going to be something we don't even realize right now, you know, and it's not going to make sense anymore. But it just felt kind of relevant in that as humans, we are kind of just wrecking the earth to the point where it feels like it's fighting back sometimes. Well, I think, I think, yeah, we live without any kind of consequence to everything. 
yeah. my entire life there's been no economic decline really no like different government gets elected everything falls apart you know how you eat doesn't really matter like you cook stuff i just have had a mindlessness as a human and when this does come up it really shakes you up of like okay there's consequence to how we interact on this earth moving exactly forward. even even consequence to like global like you know how many people live on the earth and how like globalization and how small the world's getting it does feel like that in that house when the house is overpopulated and there's so many people in there that it gets a bit crazy. I could see that parallel for sure. I guess one more thought I have before we move on from like interpreting the story, because I feel like this movie is a movie that needs to be interpreted, which I don't know even how I feel about that, you know, as a film. But I think that there's actually like three interpretations to the story that's going on. And one is just like the biblical allegory of it. Like if it, it literally is the Bible from Genesis to Revelation, you know, like you could you could say that this is like a story. It could be called Bible instead of mother. Interesting. <laughs> I don't know. But I think the second story is probably like the most strong. But the, the one that's obvious is Mother Earth and her relationship with God and humankind. Um, and then I think the third interpretation is literally there's the surface level. Like it's a story about a poet who, you know, kind of like what the summary touched on, a poet and his wife and they have fans and all this stuff happens and he he writes a piece that he ends up getting this cult following and it destroys them you know yeah i mean if you watch i watched a bit of the tiff talk after this got premiered and he flat out says about a narcissistic god and yeah. mother earth that's good so let's think- talk about that because i think that's the first question i ask after i watch this is what does this movie say about god because it's obvious that it's a negative painting of him yeah yeah in a way it is my i I think my thing is uh, i don't know i'm sitting here silent for a a long time because i don't really know what i think that he lost he lost me as a let me tell you i love aronofsky when i was in film school i actually did uh my final essays and thesis about darren aronofsky Uh, i used to pull apart his films like i i really love aronofsky but it just seems so biased. Like, oh, I don't like God. I don't like, you know, what God does to Mother Earth. And that's what I feel like. This movie is not just preaching about uh, environmental issues, which I think that are relevant. But I think that it's Darren Aronofsky trying to, to preach a personal worldview and not doing it well through the story. It's literally pure allegory uh, to fit a view that nobody could understand so much so that the studio said that he had to spell it out for people before the movie's release so that they wouldn't turn away going like, what the hell did I watch? I'm sure there's still a million people that said, what the hell did I watch? So I guess like his deep bias, you know, I, I, I always bring it back to Lars von Trier. You know how annoying it, it was watching Lars von Trier movies. He was always making movies about America, even though he had never at that point, when he made Dancer in the Dark, I think it was, or Dogville, he still never stepped foot inside the United States, but he had a commentary on the U.S. And I was like, this is just getting annoying because he's basically painting a caricature of what he thinks Americans are like rather than what they are like. And it it lost some of the message for me. The movies were still powerful and, and, and moving because I was a fan um, but this movie just kind of was annoying to me. Um, Do you think if you were personally more leaning his way, you would have loved it? I don't think so, because I hate Christian films. Because as soon as you <laughs> sniff that out. I hate, yeah, Do you know what I, I mean? I, I hate know. Christian films for the same reason, because they're so, you know, I grew up in the church, uh, but I just, Christian films are like the worst thing out there because usually they're just so preachy. And instead of actually telling stories, what they're doing is passing on an agenda. I think Darren Aronofsky did the exact same thing. If uh, like at a worse level, just reverse this story, pretend a Christian who is like supporting God against the environment would make this movie. It'd be this, it'd be like this. It'd be so over the top. You know what I mean? And so that's why I felt like this film was almost evangelistic into Darren Aronofsky's worldview. And it it, it annoyed me the way that he told it. It's hard to say that because the movie 
was compelling. Like the the visuals were compelling and the acting yeah, was worked. compelling. But it was super preachy. It was super preachy. That's why I appreciated it, Jason. It being something against... Okay, so I was raised in a conservative Christian family as well. And so I kind of share the same views on you with like Christian films. And so I think to me it's refreshing. And this is why I loved Noah so much is because he it's it's like a third party's perspective of the whole thing i don't know i just really appreciate darren aronofsky's interpretation of god even even if i might not agree with it fully i think that it's refreshing to just see somebody else being like hey this is what i think about it i might not i mean i don't know where he stands i i think i read that he's agnostic after noah came out but who knows i don't know that's i think i I think it's more like he's putting a mirror on say the current wave of Christianity and being like the way you guys are acting about environmental issues is this is mo- what your God must be like. Mm-hmm. Cause I don't even know if it's like he had a personal beef with God, but I can totally see like the characters in the movie are very, very human feeling like the, the arrogance and the ignorance and like the, di- the disconnect, the disconnect between like the home that they're in or the place that they are, that is, is giving them everything they need and more the the fixation on, whatever the the writings or you know like the the last book that they wrote so i think it's kind of a reflection or critique on christians that it's good for christians to hear to watch and be like if you if you separate god from the environmental side of thing and apart from stewardship that's kind of what the story of humanity is is this arrogant god that's just letting the world go to shit because he loves how much we love him i don't know I don't share that view. I don't. I don't know what view I share, but yeah, I don't. Regardless of what it means or what his views are, the second anyone sniffs out an agenda, it's just I appreciate someone being bold, but then I'm also I do find it annoying. The same with I you, think so. you guys are okay. kind of hypocritical. You're playing the same game. I think you're. I think you're kind of hypocritical because I think that you. Okay, um, anyone that's trying to sell an idea, what is that movie about, like, a Fast Food Nation? That that movie was so preachy when you, like, watch Fast Food Nation. I love Food, Inc. I love, like, all these documentaries about food. But for some reason, Fast Food Nation is just, like, in your face. You guys are, like, you know, like, just kind of preaching a, a worldview. I agree. But I, I think with Darren Aronofsky, it, he went, like, almost to the point of, like, youth group dramas. Like... It was just so crazy in the end. It looked really good. It looked really cool. But I'm not even saying he was being slightly preachy. I'm saying that he was being like just over the top. Not. Uh, yeah. Oh, 100%. I think. I think it was. was oh, okay. Here's, There's here's, no part of me that disagrees. I guess with what you. I'm saying is it it felt like cheap storytelling. It felt like a, a yeah, cheap agree. thrill rather than. Like but I liked you, Noah. But you didn't Noah even has get the story. Noah has an on the first environmental. Watch. No, no, I got the story after uh, in the second half of the movie. Yeah. So right. I That's I didn't cool. get it through Michelle Pfeiffer, um, through that whole storyline with uh, Ed Harris and Michelle Pfeiffer. But as soon as I I started getting the religious connotations in the second half of the film, having never read an article on Mother or watched Mother, but am very well-versed in all of Darren Aronofsky's other films. So The only reason I'm not shitting on this movie is because the way that they shot it, the point of view, the po- the POV, almost like a video game style of shooting a movie, there was three angles. Close-up, over the shoulder, and what was the last angle that they used? Point of view. Yeah. That was the entire film, probably same focal length. And then the way they use audio, like it's like... A, Christian oh movies God, that, suck on all fronts because they yeah. don't do anything good. So the only reason I'm not like like it was annoying. I'm not it's like, and it's I'm so not comparing this agenda. to Christian movies. I'm just I'm talking about like a, a no. Pure I'm agenda. just saying that like if he didn't like the technical aspect of this movie was it saving grace in my yeah. like makes it pass the, the, passable the sound because design, it was unique. The sound design was yeah it was absolutely unreal. incredible. Like I I was just the whole time I'm like who's the sound designer? I gotta look him up because it was so good uh, and like it, it like the technical aspects. You're totally right. Were a, a huge saving grace. Like it did look beautiful. It sounded amazing. It was acted so well. So that's why I think that I'm still at that like two and a half or three mark because the preachy side of it brought it down points for me. 
But the technical aspects, I could not give it like a low score because I still love Darren Aronofsky. Last week we talked about, uh, on the episode of The Square, we kind of talked about filmmakers using their resources responsibly. And I kind of felt like, I felt that from Darren in this movie. Like from the beginning, I feel like he has the power to make whatever he wants at this point because he's he's in Hollywood and he's choosing to make these stories, like I said, calling them kind of passion. They, they feel like passion projects, but they're blockbusters. And this movie, like, it's interesting that he chose to do this movie and do it so simply. I mean, it's one location. It's handheld camera the whole time. Like, Is it? I didn't even realize that. But you got to think, like, this movie was probably pretty cheap to make. Um, I know you said it didn't do good in, at the box office, but... That was the one area he showed restraint, was technically. And that's something I got to, like... That's what we're saying is, like, I think, saves this movie. Yeah, it's, like, pretty simple location-wise... I don't think the special effects are aging that well. <laughs> I do like when movies are supposed to be anxious and they just commit to like a, one focal length. It's what I felt like it was and just all handheld. Mm-hmm. It was like a 50 mil the entire movie. That's what it felt like. Yeah. I think mm-hmm. it works. I love when other movies do that too. I think that, do you guys watch um, any Safdie brothers movies like Uncut Gems? Is I think that's something that they really, that style is they've, everything this movie had in it, they've fully mastered now, I would say. Like that, like running that running gun too tight, like no establishing wides, just like you're fully in the story. You don't know where you are. Well, let's just do a shout out to Matty Libatique then because he's incredible. Is that the. <laughs> yeah, he's a DP and he's been Darren's DP, I think, since the beginning, since Pi. Like he became famous through Darren Aronofsky. So that's. So he's shooting huge movies now. They. He's responsible for the number one Vimeo trend ever. That, you know, you know, in Black Swan that like the falling behind someone their head and their shoulders yeah, like that's yeah. the black swan that's been in like so many docu ad style things i've done that in so many projects i had a client like three years ago in a meeting say yeah like that's these guys style they like to fall from behind and i just got so cringed out because i knew for sure that started with black swan and that shot is everywhere now so many commercials yeah mm-hmm so, they they yeah, really have a they have a good team. He's continued to bring a lot of the filmmakers that he's worked with his pretty much his entire career through. That's cool. Makes sense. I mean, I feel like when you come up like a lot of DPs who come up working with one director as they grow, end up doing stuff like that. Like they end up just having the same crew crew all their movies until they're old. <laughs> which is the dream. Yeah. Which is true. really cool. D- did you notice that it kind of started like uh, from daytime and then went to night? So it was like light and bright at the beginning of the film and then kind of went darker and darker and darker as the film went on. I know there were days and nights in the movie, but like just like looking back on it, it seemed like there's a, a brighter color palette, almost like shooting with natural light towards the front end of the movie. And then got a lot more, um, I don't know, colorful towards the end. <laughs> Well, it got it got like flames and whatever yeah. crazy, yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. But yeah, you're right. There were there were a lot of like time of day changes throughout, and it felt pretty gradual. Even um, that like last scene, it was kind of like a standoff between God and Mother Earth, and with the baby, like he was waiting for her to fall asleep, and that went through like a day and a half of time. And I was like, oh, this would be a great scene to study for that if you ever had a had to shoot something that was like changing time of day gradually over one scene you know uh one more comment i want to make on the cinematography though i feel like if you want to like learn or study good lighting and blocking this movie did it incredibly like talk about lighting for the space and then just the way scenes would flow they'd be in like two over the shoulder shots but then like somebody would move and it almost felt like ballet like it felt like or some like kind of dance and and the way like the camera handheld camera would kind of move around and follow people and then all of a sudden the scene they would be you know it would change and they'd be in like two different angles um and just realizing like that was accomplished by just like lighting the space at all times and sometimes it would be going from room to room and i'm just like I it was like that. blowing my That's mind cool. the thought that has to go into that as far as placing practicals Maybe time of day. I mean, I'm sure they shot it in a maybe a studio. I don't know. Maybe they build the set outside, but um, it looked I like can't studio remember. from the wide. Yeah, yeah. I think that's. I love the way that they tra- 
the way they treated the whole house like one thing. So normally when someone like exits out a door, like sitcom, like they're gone, you know, they don't exist anymore. But when people would, they'd be having dialogue scenes, they enter a new room, their voice would get, you know, lower and more far away because the audio was always from the mother's perspective, right? So when they would yeah. go further away, the audio yeah. would go lower. And so I liked that they, tr- like going in and out of rooms, spinning around, that they, yeah. the whole house was one place, even if it was different rooms, which is something right. that I think take that idea to another you know movie would be it's a good thing to think about oh for sure and as like a working director of photography who i haven't had a lot of like blocking experience but that kind of stuff kind of, it kind of scares me it intimidates me a lot you kind of learn how to light maybe starting off with like an interview or one person one head like a talking head and then all of a sudden you start to think like how could i apply that to somebody like moving from across the room and then you kind of start Mm -hmm. to get like oh shoot it kind of terrifies you and then you look at this movie and they're just doing it they're going from like you know across the whole house and the light's just incredible the whole time and i don't i don't quite think that they were doing tons of that and then they did the wrestler and black swan which obviously those two movies required quite a bit of movement and characters switching around either like wrestling in the ring or in black swan people dancing. And so I bet, I bet you anything, those two movies kind of helped inform that, that process of doing a lot more movement within the blocking, you know, like the kind of just gaining that experience through the process of being at a ballet studio where people are switching spots all the time. And you're always having to constantly fight against, okay, where's my, Where's my uh, line of access? And, and yeah, yeah, oh, where's yeah. safe? Yeah. yeah, so and I bet I bet they kind of gained that because it's definitely it was seen in this movie that they were kind of like masters of it. So yeah, technically incredible. Any other like uh, observations you guys had on the technical aspects? Um, I honestly I loved the production design. Like I just love the house. Um, it had so many textures. It had so much depth. It was not a boring place to look at. at was all. it very Edenistic? <laughs> yeah, it was pretty Edenistic <laughs> by nature. It was like it was kind of like Edenistic in nature. Well, there was so much. I think that the whole allegory was that there was so much work to still be done. You know, like the work was never over. She, That's she was continually. Cool, That's a cool angle that that that, that yeah. the, the the humans haven't been participating in that that work we've just been destroying. I mean, that's something that I would, that's a, that's a cool. Angle. Like a co- consumeristic society. Definitely. And yeah. I, I like that, 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 that Jennifer Lawrence's character was always like adding to the house and trying to fix things and making sure, Oh, don't sit on the sink. That's not supported yet. You know? Yeah. It, yeah. For being like mostly shot inside that house, it felt like they did a good job at letting it breathe, like letting all the frames breathe, you know? And it felt like there was space. Mm-hmm. I really like the stairwell too. That whole like set, uh, I don't know what you call it, a set piece. It was just like so beautiful every time they were in there. And then that shot um, when Michelle Pfeiffer's character wants to go up to to heaven, his study, <laughs> quote unquote heaven, for the first time, and it pans up, and it's like the first time we see we see a study, but like light, a light beam coming out of it. And I'm like, oh yeah, he doesn't he doesn't want you to go in there without him. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. I just I get the I get the joke now. Yeah, now yeah. I need to now I feel like I I'm required to go back and rewatch this movie because I f- I feel like I will pick up so much more. I only picked up on it in the second half of the film, which usually I'm pretty quick on that stuff. Oh, dude, it gets it gets it's littered with it, like the rib and all that stuff. Yeah, I know that bothered you, Caleb, but Jason, I'd love to hear from you when you do because I found it very interesting the second watch because I kind of pulled that stuff out more, but then I, I soaked up then even more beyond that. You know what I mean? Well, I think it comes I mean, down to what that, you want to make. That's just like the joke. The, the, the joke that where she says, oh, he doesn't like you to go into a study without him, you know, like, which would be like in, in the Christian perspective, you can't get to heaven unless through, G, you know, unless you go through Jesus. Right. And so it's just like a, it's a funny joke in the, in the, like, vein of this movie yeah uh that there's another actually a bit of witty dialogue i picked up on this time and it's when eve walks into the room with like hard lemonade and she says um she made it herself for something and it was from a 
an old family recipe and and mother earth's like oh what the lemons <laughs> like and i feel like she's just kind of <laughs> being like sarcastic because she's like oh i created these these lemons come from me i'm mother earth there's like little bits of wit in the dialogue kind of similar to that whole thing you were just talking about with the study right. i think i mean it comes down if you what kind of movies you want to make this movie isn't yeah it's not like a human it is about humanity but it's just too macro that i don't i'm not interested in like macro stories of humanity like i'm really interested in like micro like small you know maybe insignificant people or like their day-to-day events the more and more I watch movies that's the direction i really appreciate so i'm way harder on this movie because i just when it's just oh you're gonna talk about oh the story of all human oh like it's bold but just i don't know it's not what i want to make at all yeah yeah i think that this is my style of movie though i think that's what i'm discovering and it could be similar uh caleb to your journey with the square i think a lot of what we talked about last week on the square was you related to it a lot with where your journey is in filmmaking. Mm-hmm. I really like, I wouldn't say like if I were to direct movies, I'd want it to be heavy allegory, but I really appreciate it. And I don't know, maybe it's because where I'm at personally and with my journey with the church, honestly, and religion and all that. And maybe I'm like swinging too far the other way. And, and I have a little bit of like bitterness towards it. And so maybe that's why I'm relating to it so much, but I just feel like, the message he's trying to say I can get on board with and I'm okay with it because I have the same, I'm as critical to the church as he is being in this movie. Or I should say religion, but, and, and I do feel like there is this, at least in, in kind of the environment I grew up in, there's this push to be like, earth doesn't matter because we're all going to end up in heaven one day. Like that's, there's this attitude like that where they just don't care and they look at, they don't, they literally don't believe in climate change and I'm just like, guys. <laughs> and I feel like when I watch a movie like Mother, it's like speaking to that. It's it's speaking to this people group who are just wanting to consume as much as they can on Earth and just wait to, to get to a better place. I don't think so. I think that he's preaching to the choir. Well, that's he's, what I mean. I think that's the, the thing. Is like if, I think you know, that's what like, you're saying, Jason, is that... If you're going to be hard on Christian movies for doing this, you have to apply that same critique to mo- movies that you might agree with. Well, I'm I'm not even I think that, I, I think yeah, like I'm just talking about as a as a mode of storytelling. I I just think that there's a better way to tell the environmental story than the way that he did it. I mean, some of this you you, you hear what I'm saying like even in in your journey uh like Everyone has like a similar journey with where they're going, but do you relate just because like it itches a scratch? I get annoyed by movies that are are speaking exactly what I believe if they're too preachy. You know what I mean? Like I think with this my my problem my problem in it is not that it was it seemed like it was being it was trying to be edgy to prove a a point rather than this. Yeah. I don't know. I'm, I, it's, it's hard to explain L- letting the story take you there. Rather. It was a piece of propaganda and a very stark piece of propaganda. You know, where's that line between that, like speaking to society and like calling something out that's wrong and propaganda. Cause I almost feel like I'm leaning towards this movie being just calling out a bunch of our problem. How, how would you describe propaganda in your understanding, Will? Propaganda is like how Jason describes Lars von Trier. Like you kind of watch his movies and at the end you're like, oh, you cornered me into like trying to believe in this one thing. Um, I picture like a poster of something like trying to just convince you or force you to believe something or just hit you over the head with it. Um, like Jason was talking about some of those food documentaries, I've watched quite a few of them and I feel like a lot of them, even the ones that I like agree with, I hate, and and this is a problem I have with documentaries. Um, I hate when they're biased. And so even the problem with documentaries. Yeah, right. (laughs) I'm like, I feel like the best documentaries or at least my favorites are ones that even though the filmmaker might have like a, a final conclusion, it's you know, he's not just like beating you over the head with it or this, the whole time to make you feel bad. 
And I, and I feel like whenever I feel that in a movie, I'm like, okay, this is propaganda. And how did you not feel that in this movie? Like, I, I mean, he was doing everything, using every tool in his disposable to make you feel bad. Like, he definitely was. This, it felt like it, it was even like, so Roland Emmerich is kind of another director that kind of does this, like on, a, on those epic big box office scales, you know, where he does like the day after tomorrow or, you know, like those movies. But I felt like this, like even stepped beyond Roland Emmerich's preachiness about the environment. Um, I actually think that he does a decent job of storytelling. I think it's very, very on the nose and, and cheesy, but my, my point, it was not attacking his worldview at all. I, I agree with the worldview. I agree with uh, some of the questions that he's asking and, and the points that he's making. I just wish that he would have done it better, <laughs> you know, like instead of do what's like more like kind of sketch. Well, it's just like Pilgrim's Progress. They right? were skits. Yeah, they were skits. Well, I mean, even with Pilgrim's, like you read Pilgrim's Progress, John Bunyan, and that the names are very on the nose, but the story is actually quite exhilarating. Like it's a journey of someone going, it's the hero's journey pretty much, but it's it's not oh, until the very end. The end is very, very. I, want, I wonder if he. Okay, if I'm going to make a counter argument, I wonder if he just. If you were trying to critique the Christian faith, he just. Let's just. He maybe he chose to speak in the language of our book, you know, or, or in the language of our stories. And maybe that's what he was up to. You know, it's like, okay, like, I'm going to speak the way that you know the way that you make your plays, the way that you make your movies and not say what you think I'm going to say. I mean, that's me loading onto him, but if I wanted to give a nice angle to it, that's probably what I would say. I, I, I don't understand. Like, I, like, I so like, okay, like it's, it's like, okay. So if you think about like the Bible, they're not like lost some, they're not very subtle stories. And so they're not like, they're not stories like about like, you know, the mundane day to day. They're pretty loud stories. So he kind of is critiquing Christianity in the way that through our stories, and in the way that the style that we tell our stories, does that make sense? Which yeah. is fine. At the end of the day, I don't know. I think it's just it won't age as well because it's so on the nose. It's interesting because I felt like that was one of the questions I wanted to ask you guys is if you think or how you think this will age. Because I think a lot of his movies, well, I'm not saying like I know this for sure, but I could see Darren Aronofsky in general as being a filmmaker that 50 years from now, they're kind of looking back and watching his movies in film school, but... Maybe not. Oh, really? I don't view him that way, but yeah, maybe I should. They still, well, they, I mean, still Pi and Requiem for a Dream are major film school movies. Like those mm -hmm. two movies are kind of like. So it's already happening. Yeah. A bit revolutionary. And Black Swan as well. So those Requiem for a Dream, Pi and Black Swan are kind of movies that are referred to all the time in film training. Uh, the Wrestler, it's like a cool movie, you know, like. That, that usually appears on film lists. Um, Noah didn't do very well as far as like on the academic scene, I think. Uh, but I think just anything tied to religion these days isn't going to do well, <laughs> honestly. <laughs> A story from the Bible. Like it's just who, d d who, no matter who makes it, I just think the majority is going to be like, nah, not for me. I think that it was the rock. You know, <laughs> I think it was honestly the rock people. Like the the big, uh, have you ever seen the Never Ending Story? Okay, in the Never Ending Story, there's this big like rock dude, and I whenever I watch Noah, I was like, oh, Never Ending Story guys, <laughs> like it's just like brothers and sisters. There was like an element of some of the the, the way that he did that one that was a little bit almost weird. like science fictional, right? Yeah, which is why I loved it because it was a different, way different. It was it felt like a third party perspective of this story that you never hear growing up in a church in Sunday, like with Sunday school stories where they just like sugarcoat it. I love Noah. I don't think that it's a critically acclaimed movie though. I don't think this one is either. I think it's critically acclaimed in my heart. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's no, fine. I don't know. I, I, I'm just going to say, I think I still love it, but I think it's because this conversation has shown me that I'm leaning towards it not being an agenda film or propaganda film and more a piece that's calling out a serious issue in our society that needs to be addressed. And I think that's an important uh, responsibility 
that artists have to do. Not all artists should do that, but I think some just feel the need and they should go for it. I think comedians are the last prophets of our time. Oh, absolutely. Like, I don't People know if movies, aren't afraid to say. I don't know if movies yeah. are really because movies, I don't know. Movies don't seem to work as well. You don't think so? I mean, like, this, people so. let, like, people go and watch movies, though. That's still, like, a huge industry. Yeah. Right? But as people watch, so as that people says watch something. movies in theaters less, you know, I think maybe it won't work as well. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. So you guys don't think that we should be saying important things No, with we're our not movies, saying that. I think we're just saying the way... No, the no, style, no. Okay, here's what I have to say about spiritual movies, and it's a, not my quote. Where I stand on like, if you're bringing spirituality into movies is do it, like bring spirituality in style, not in content. So the, the stuff I'm really interested in is like when movies are really slow or like mundane or like kind of what they reflect when you would experience God, if you believe there is a God or whatever, that's more in style. So when movies bring in God in content, I just don't think it's good. <laughs> I don't like it. But if you do it in like the style where things feel... I see. I don't... No, I'd, I'd actually disagree. I actually think that that is... It's, I think that it was like the concept to me was super interesting. Like the, the whole... And then even finding out that it's God and Mother Earth. Like the concept to me is interesting. And I think I would agree with you, William, and say that I think that we should be making movies that kind of tell the the times. Um, I, I think that it... Like my opinion is that he did a really bad job of it. Like in the yeah. end, because it yeah, because so... it wasn't subtle. That's all. That's it, right? Basically. Well, it wasn't. I can't. Uh, no, it why wasn't even not... the subtlety because why do I not like this? Why? Why is this movie kind of cringy? It's like it's the it's it's the yeah it's the cringy why nature is it cringy, of it. Though I wonder that like why it shouldn't. Well, be it's like I don't know why. Why is it cringy? It was uh, gluttonous, I think, is what it was, because it was like he was going metaphor after metaphor after metaphor. As far as like the story goes, she kept like going to search for Javier Bardem several times throughout the film, and then the story would start over again. With everything, it was always about a cycle, and the story was always starting over, and she did the same actions throughout the movie the entire time. She'd be doing something, and then she'd go after Javier Bardem, where are you going? Why are you leaving me? Why did you abandon me? You know, it, it, it kind of kept happening. It wasn't just that it wasn't subtle. Like, I don't need a, a message to be subtle, but I need it to maybe be delivered like an adult. This seemed like a bunch of skits made by very tone deaf people to the audience. Right. And, and so I think we're not talking stylistically because we've already covered the style is awesome and i think this and i would agree yeah, with you the story right. the story needs to be told but even like yeah adam and eve that did feel like a church skit like the way like eve was so vindictive and sassy and then he was the way he was and how god yeah you're right it did feel like a series of of skits it was very yeah skinny. it was very theatrical right like this could have been in a way or at least a lot of the scenes could have been stage plays right you, it, you know, it actually Maybe reminded me of yeah. uh, the Gods of Carnage or uh, Who's Afraid of Virginia Wolf, where there's like four people stuck in a house. You know, it had it had that vibe to me. And maybe I, at the beginning, I thought that's where the movie was going. It was going to be another Who's Afraid of Virginia Wolf. Um, and then it just kind of started taking a turn where, you know, vi a violent turn. <laughs> but. It definitely an interesting movie. Like I'm and uh, William, I really hope that you know that I'm I'm not trying to belittle your like even your your personal journey at all. I just as a um I'd be having the same discussion about any kind of worldview that was like literally being hammered with a stake into your eyeball. Just wait till next week. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> are you are you picking no. are you picking the next one? Yeah, I am. Jason is. Oh, Jason, you already got I'm going to destroy your movie, man. <laughs> You'll pay my, for this. Revenge. My movie, my movie will make you cry. Okay, Revenge of the Bill. I love how you apologize. I love how you apologize to Bill, but not me ever, Jason. Well, but I gotta. <laughs> how sensitive do you think this guy is? He can take no. it. <laughs> no, but no. Th honestly, this is why. This is the exact reason I wanted to discuss this movie because I wanted, and and I had a feeling by discussing it with you guys that I would come to a conclusion 
whether I'm gonna swing to the side of really loving it or or hating it. And you know what? I'm swinging to the side of loving it, and I'll 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 hold my stars at the end. But we can keep talking about some other things. I don't know. Yeah, I don't have anything else to say. I think you love it. You think that filmmakers' role in society is to drive home points? No, I mean, not everybody. Some artists are really good at that, and I think they should be doing it because somebody's got to do it through this medium, and uh, not I, in a propaganda way. So. But like, I mean, what? Why would we talk about messages and themes and hold them to any importance if if that wasn't our job? Yeah, but I, I mean, I don't really think that it was talking to the needs of the day. I think it was preaching to the choir. It felt like. Uh, it felt like, like a, de- a democratic like, or a Republican a convention. Change. No, like no I way. think it, yeah, it was like, come on, everyone who believes in what I believe. Like it, it just, it, that Maybe, it yeah. wasn't ringing true to me, you know? And even for people like that, they probably felt, oh, stop preaching to me. Like chill. I got it. You know, if a movie messes with me and I can't get it off my, like out of my mind for like two weeks, like I'm walking around always thinking about this character that I feel so sad about or whatever. I'm like, they've done something to me. They've pushed me to an emotional place and made me ask serious questions about my life. These, this movie didn't make me ask questions. It like laid it all out for me. This is, this is what you're doing wrong. And I'm like, okay, that wasn't as palatable, but, uh, and you, and the the viewer doesn't get to make a choice for themselves. It's just kind of like, we all suck is at the end of the movie. (laughs) And I, I hate any movie that ends it that way. I'm all about tragedies. Don't get me wrong. I love a good tragedy. But like when you preach and you deliver the thesis and the the conclusion and and everything and and don't let your audience have any part of the process, I feel like it's selfish storytelling. But I would hold my two and a half stars because technically it was beautiful like it it the oh, like i think even just for the sound design i could even consider raising it to a three star um i love the sound design that much and i i just think that jennifer lawrence and javier bardem did a uh, excellent job as well you guys hold your star ratings i don't know man i think i'd lower mine i think i think a really the only thing i liked was the technical side of it so i don't know if it's fair to but I guess three three out of five is what eighty percent. What is that like a B? Yeah, I'd probably give it like a B minus or something, a bit less. Two and a half is probably where I'd sit. William, twenty stars, man. <laughs> no, uh, I'm gonna stay at four and a half. But honestly, even like, so I'll be down to give four it a four and a half. I'll give it. Yeah, I'll be down to give it like a few more watches over the next couple of years and, oh and redecide. <laughs> a few more? You're going to watch this movie <laughs> oh, yeah. five times, dude? If any movie makes dude, me no. <laughs> feel the way this way, no. you don't I've need watched to it watch three it times already, times. all right? <laughs> no, I think it's you good. Think like there <laughs> Come on. There are well, so, there there's some okay. movies that you just really do need to go back and look at because yeah. it, it makes you feel something on an emotional level. So I support I support you in this one. Yeah. So, yeah, five I'll watch times. it. I'll watch it a few more times, maybe not in the next couple of years, but maybe maybe once a year I'll I'll uh I'll rent it and I'll watch it and I'll redecide. Dude, this isn't like, a movie like American Pie. You keep watching it over film. and over again. <laughs> <laughs> I could see this movie kind of sliding into one of my favorites of all time. It would be low on the list, but like I could see that happening. But I don't know. Maybe we'll see. Like I could see it going the other way as I just grow as a human in the next few years, and you know that happens too sometimes. So um, I would now like to maybe transition us to what our next film is going to be. And I thought since you guys did some weird ass films, I'm going to lighten the mood just a little bit. And we're going to watch a kid's movie. Okay. All right. So we're going to watch A Monster Calls. And it is from 2017. And it's directed by J.A. Bayona and written by Patrick Ness. Um, and it's kind of like a uh, sci-fi fantasy kids film. So let's uh, see what it, we have man. to say about it next week. It's a great choice. Yeah. I'm excited. I think I think uh, animated movies are they've been killing it. Like it's crazy to see the rise of amazing animated movies, dude. Inside yeah. Out, holy shit! Oh yes, Inside Out's incredible. <laughs> I, I almost like, chose Inside Out. Kind of, these kind of stories almost when they're done in animation i i yeah. like or when they're done like for children it like i feel like 
kids yeah. are gonna be like more emotionally woke compared to us who like grew Dude, up with Barney. I didn't understand and... sarcasm until Inside Out. Remember, it was like yeah, sarcasm is when you're trying when you're you're angry, but you're trying to be. Uh, I don't know. They explain things so well. I almost chose Inside Out, but I knew that everyone had seen it, and I wanted to kind of do a movie that maybe maybe we hadn't seen before. So, a monster calls. Next week, we're going to be discussing it on three podcasts. Thanks for joining us on three, the podcast. Make sure you subscribe and join us next week for another film discussion hosted by Jason Solari, William Somero, and Caleb Ford.